This is Theology Refresh, and I'm sitting here today with David Platt. Uh, David, thank you for joining us. Our topic for this podcast is weighty. Uh, we're talking about the doctrine of hell. Um, we're at a Desiring God National Conference, and the, the group's warming up in the back. So if you hear some music in the background, that's from the, the recording setting we're in. Um, but we do want to speak briefly here on the podcast about the doctrine of hell. Um, David, where would you uh, help lead pastors uh, to go when they think about the doctrine of hell? What core truths are there that we should be refreshed on? I think, uh, I think this probably goes without saying, but I want to make sure it's said that we, we do go to the Word and we mm. deal honestly with the texts that are there, mm. that because this is such an emotional topic mm. and it, because it is so heavy and because it is so unpopular, we, uh, we already have biases kind of built into us that uh, want to soften, that want to skew things, that we need to make sure that we are, we're dealing honestly with the, with the truthfulness of God's Word and the inerrancy of God's Word and the words of Christ and, and others that we see in the New Testament in particular. So anyway, to make sure we go, so that some of the texts that, that I, would, I would point to... Um, well, I think we see different imagery for hell. So we see hell described as a place of fiery agony. Mark nine forty three through 48, when Jesus refers to hell as an unquenchable fire, as a place mm-hmm. where the, the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Um, Revelation 20, verse 15, uh, those who... Um, whose names were not written in the book of life will be thrown into a lake of fire. Uh, Revelation 21, verse 8, talks gives a list of, of sin, sinners, and says their, their lot will be in a, a, a lake of burning fire and sulfur. And so this is one very clear image we see. Uh, and some people say, well, maybe that's symbolic, but the reality is, even if you were granted that maybe it is symbolic, it's clearly not symbolic for something that is good. It is it is symbolic for something that's frightening. So you see hell is a place of fiery agony in texts like that. You see hell, at least in, in, in parable described by Christ, as a place of conscious torment mm-hmm. in Luke 16. You see him describe outer darkness in Matthew 22, verse 13. And, uh, and then you see hell described in a place as a d- d- divine destruction. Second Thessalonians 1, 9, separated from the presence of the Lord and the power of his might. And then... And then you see hell is a place of eternal duration that you you do see, and we can obviously dive into this some, but an eternality, an everlasting nature to hell. Uh, probably the most poignant text would be uh, Revelation chapter 14, verse 11, when it talks about the smoke of sinners' torment arising forever and ever. Um, so those are those are maybe some some key texts. That's just kind of a, a sprinkling from the New Testament, both uh, in Christ and Pauline uh, literature, and then and then when you get to Revelation. So hell is eternal, and it's conscious, and it's punishment, and it's escapable. Hmm. Yes, all of the above. So um, eternal. I think there is there there's obviously um, some who would say, well, obviously there are some who would say there is no such thing as hell, but then others who would say that hell is either uh, temporary or uh, just a very short time. Um, 
annihilationism that would say there comes a point at what point that would be sooner or later uh, some would differ but but that that someone would just cease to exist that they would not exist in punishment forever and ever and ever but i think when you look honestly at the texts in scripture when you see revelation 14:11 smoke of torment center's torment rising forever and ever and ever and then you see um you see, when we br- we embrace eternal when we see it coupled with life. Uh, Matthew twenty five thirty one through forty six. End of that passage would be an example, and, but and they're parallel uh, in in many many different texts. That would be one example where you see eternal life and eternal punishment coupled together. That some will go to everlasting life, others go to everlasting punishment. To say one is everlasting and one's not so everlasting would really not do justice to that text. And even when, when Jesus talks about it being better that that person wasn't born, like the reality is, um, I think, I think even that is helping point us to the reality that to be born, to reject the gospel and to die is, is, is an, an eternal state of punishment and torment. So eternal. Yes. Um, Conscious, yes, it certainly seems like all of these images point to um, an experiential facet to hell that we are, that, that those, those who are in hell who are, uh, are experiencing the wrath of God upon them. That it is punishment, you know, there's, there's language in Scripture like Revelation 14 that talks about torment. It, it really is an expression. You look a couple of verses up from that. It talks about the wine of God's wrath. And that's what it is. Hell is, it's, it's just the manifestation of the reality that our sin before an infinitely holy God warrants infinitely eternal punishment. And key in all of that is that it is indeed escapable, that Christ has endured the wrath of God on our behalf so that no one, no one, everyone who believes in Christ, who trusts in Christ through faith, by grace through faith, will be delivered from God's eternal wrath to experience eternal life with Him, which is part of what makes this gospel so wondrously good. When we, when we minimize the wrath of God in the process, we, we end up maligning the mercy of God too. Mm-hmm. So we have a God who is uh, both hateful of sinners who are rebellious against him, and loving in terms of giving his son and providing a way out of hell mm. in this lifetime to those who would trust in Jesus. The great paradox of Scripture. Like how can God hate sin? And because sin is at the core of who we are, his hatred, holy wrath, that's what I would say or mean. I think Scripture's talking about when we see words like hatred, Psalm 5, 5 and 6. Um, that yes, that is due sinners. And the beauty is that when Christ went to the cross, he stood in the place of sinners. Not just sin. He didn't just die for all the lying and cheating or, that, or, or lusting or whatever it might be that Christians do. No, he died in the place of sinners. He stood in their place. He took the wrath. So does God hate sinners? Yes. Look at the cross and all of the wrath of God being poured out on him. Does God love sinners? Absolutely. Look mm-hmm. at the cross because he did this. He ordained this for our salvation. Another way in which it might be helpful for the leaders and pastors listening to the podcast to think about the relationship between the doctrine of hell and the doctrine of God's love Mm. is to ask the question, what kind of loving father would allow his children to be unrighteously assaulted 
by those outside the home who are coming into the family, who are going to take a shot at his wife or at his kids. For him to, to just sweep that under the rug mm-hmm. would not be loving. Mm. It wouldn't be loving of God toward his own people mm. uh, to not justly bring punishment to those who would spurn that love and would mm. despise those who call God their own. Absolutely. And that's the essence and part of Romans 3, 21 through 26, the last part of that paragraph. And I, 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 I think about God's wrath. I think about my relationship with my wife or my kids, and I am absolutely opposed to, I'm also just absolutely opposed to anything that would come against them to hurt them. Mm-hmm. It is a good thing that God has wrath towards sin mm-hmm. because sin kills and destroys and and I'm, I'm thankful that God is absolutely opposed to it. I am humbled that sin is at the core of who I am as uh, a child of wrath, to use language from Ephesians 2, 3, and to know that despite that, he has pursued me in his love and his mercy. Um, one more thing that may be helpful here is for us to relate the doctrine of hell to the value of the glory of God. Hmm. Is that, is that a, a, uh, a connection you see that you'd want to Absolutely, and, and it's uh, a baffling, humbling, overwhelming, mysterious in some ways connection. I mean, Romans 9, I think, makes clear that God is glorified in the salvation of his children, and, and God is glorified in the damnation of, of sinners, and that the full manifestations of his character are are on display and worthy of worship and worthy of glory in both. I, I say that with, with a real, not any kind of contrived, but a real sense of trembling. Like mm-hmm. when I consider those who are around, like I, people who are listening to this and maybe driving somewhere or surrounded by people who are, who are headed to either everlasting joy with God or everlasting suffering apart from God to for us to feel the weight of this. George Whitfield talked about, he would speak with tears in his eyes of the torment of burning like a livid coal, not for an instant or for a day, but for millions and millions of ages, at the end of which people will realize that they are no closer to the end than when they first begun, and they will never, ever be delivered from that place. That is a deafening thought. And, and so when we believe this, and we know that God glorifies himself, yes, in damnation, and he also glorifies in damnation of sinners, but he also glorifies himself in the salvation of sinners. We are provoked and compelled to make his glory known in, in salvation through sharing the gospel with people right around us today. People who are listening to this will have an opportunity today to speak the gospel to someone else and, and see their life by the power of the Spirit and the Word changed forever. And then how beautiful to see the contrast between what we as sinners deserve, mm-hmm. namely eternal conscious punishment, uh, and to see the glory of God in the amazing provision of his mercy and grace in the person of Jesus Christ, crucified for sinners. Yes, the gospel is indeed glorious. Christ, and this is where we've got to be so careful in these discussions about hell, not to be flippant, in the way we talk mm. about hell, not to be flippant, because in the process, we are minimizing the wonder and the beauty of what Christ has done at the cross. And so, so I would urge anybody listening to this, don't be flippant in the way you ever use the word hell or talk about hell or don't even, don't even be apologetic in talking about it. This is, this is truth. This is reality that is, 
that is at the core of what Christ did on the cross. So speak accurately and clearly and boldly and compassionately, humbly about the realities of hell. And in the process, Christ's mercy and majesty will be exalted. Thank you, David, for joining us and your willingness to address this Mm. difficult and important topic. Mm. Would you close us in prayer for our Mm -hmm. pastors listening? Father, we are overwhelmed when we think about what we deserve in our sin. And we praise you for reaching down your hand of mercy in our lives and pulling us out of the pit. Thank you for sending your son to endure your wrath. Lord Jesus, we praise you as the willing servant who joyfully endured the cross. And we praise you for your victory over sin and death. And we praise you for the resurrection, your resurrection from the grave and our subsequent resurrection with you to eternal life. We pray that, I I pray for these, for pastors, leaders, people who are listening to this, Lord, that you would use us today to lead people from everlasting darkness to everlasting light. That your word and your spirit in us, that you would keep us from growing numb in our hearts to these weighty eternal realities. And just pray that you would bless those who are listening to this now. You would fill them with your spirit and your word today to speak the gospel and to see people saved. Thank you so much for your salvation to us. Use us to make it known to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.